Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Hey, 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 Rush Nation, welcome to the first show this week. Man, do we have a guest lined up for you. But before that, I'm joined by Murph. Big man, how are you? Really good, mate. How how about yourself? How was your uh, bank holiday weekend? Nice long weekend. Uh, Mate, I worked all three days, so it wasn't long for me. (laughs) How about yours? Mine was uh, mine was fantastic. Um, went away for the weekend. Uh, went to uh, a place called Southwold, which for those of you who don't know is uh, in Suffolk, not far from Ipswich, about 30, 35 miles uh, south of Ipswich. It's, um, it's where my wife used to go on the sort of childhood holidays. And I've only ever been to Southwold once, and that was when I worked in the pub game. Adnams Brewery is based there. So I, uh, um, I've known and drunk beer in the area, but I've never actually really properly visited so we had a lovely day by the beach um weather wasn't as good as the weekend before but you can't have everything uh, but it was just nice to get away the two of us and uh relax and we came back yesterday so yeah mate i can't complain it was better than yours in the sense of i didn't have to work no 100 people are going to start getting a, a different image of what you actually do Murph. they're going to think of you as some sort of spa traveling newspaper writing they're going to that's not you at all. But they're going to get that impression. Trust me. Anyway, uh, and anyway, this wasn't this wasn't a, a work thing or for the wife. It was a, a genuine getaway. Uh, the two of us we paid uh, cash out of our own pockets for this one. So, 
um we stayed in a nice little sort of uh i don't really know the right way to describe it just sort of like it was a converted barn and we had the, the upstairs bit but it was kind of like a cater yourself sort of thing it was it was nice it was really good oh, sounds incredible well i've i've you know i'd like to hear more about your self-catering barn but we should get into today's guest so rush nation in the time you know the night kings raised an army of the dead and thanos has wiped out half the population it's time for heroes and we've got one quarter of the around the nfl podcast mark sessler joins us on five yard rush mark thanks for coming on how are you i'm doing good i want some of this uh bank holiday action you guys are talking about we don't we didn't uh we were not given that this this weekend so let me know how i get involved in the the extra day off <laughs> If you manage to emigrate here before the end of the month, there's another one, which is amazing. So Easter's quite good because Easter, we get the Friday and the Monday off for Good Friday and Easter Monday. And then two weeks later, or depends when Easter falls, sometimes it's a bit earlier. Um, but Easter was two weeks ago. And then you get uh, the bank holiday at the beginning of May. Then you get a bank holiday at the end of May. Hmm. Feels like a lot of work uh, to move in the next month, but uh, I will consider it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, options always there. We can always, uh, you know, we can always find something for you that uh, you. Well, to be fair, you're 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 so big in your own right. I'm sure you have no problems getting offers for for work and and things like that. Uh, you'd be surprised. Very few offers for work anywhere. So happy to have this little work that I do. So things. <laughs> I have a feeling I'll be staying in the states for quite some time. There must be a holiday day coming up for you, though, Mark. Surely. I actually am coming off of um, a week off, but what we have here—I don't know if you guys have the term—but we have what is a staycation versus a vacation. I basically just sort of stayed in my house for a week. Um, you know, caught up on some Netflix shows. I have two small children. Uh, worked with them to get them through the days, that kind of thing. So no, I don't have any sizzling reports um, as you guys do about pubs in various uh, distant lands. None, nothing of that sort. So I'm hoping to get another vacation this off season at some point. Hopefully that'll be a little bit more high octane. Yeah, we have, we have staycations here. I'm not sure if that's what we call them. I took one a couple of weeks ago before Easter because uh, we have annual leave allowances that have to be taken before the end of the holiday year. And my company's holiday year ends in April. So I had a week I had to take and they don't let you roll it over and they don't pay you for it. So it's like, so I'm just going to sit at home. Um, and I was actually, it, it coincided with a time I wasn't very well either. So it meant I could uh, recover and guilt-free without, you know, taking work time off work. So kind of worked out nicely i did the same thing as you caught up on a load of netflix shows and uh, uh the equivalent of tivo over here with sort of sky box planners which is just our cable provider so i caught up with loads of box sets and things so i did a similar thing but without the children good timing then good timing so mark you've got some british roots right and and you're tied to surrey which is where we're based why don't you tell rush nation all about that um yeah i mean i guess the roots in the sense that i lived there when i was really young from ages three to six and my dad um, worked for Xerox at the time. We were living in upstate New York, and he had the chance to like basically take our family over there for what wound up being like a three-year um, stay, and it was awesome. Like I, I obviously don't. I remember things like the staircase and um, you know the corner of our living room and little things like you know what a little child would remember, uh, you know, underneath the kitchen table, but things like that. But I going back though, um, we were able to go to London for work uh, this past September. And it was incredible to take a train out there because I had no idea how to get there from London. And I didn't realize it was quite as, for me, I just went from sort of central London and with no directions. I just wanted to try it out to try to get to where I lived. And it was in Weybridge. Um, And it was a mix of train, as you guys know, a mix of like trains. And uh, I took a taxi at one point to get to 
like my actual childhood home, which I had not seen and uh, since then, so f- almost thir- thirty, like so, seven years or so, and it was an unbelievable sight to, to just to go back and look at it because you realize you remember so much more than you thought. And it was on this little tiny um, cutoff area in Weybridge. And I remember those houses, but it looked inc- obviously it's, it's a very cliche to say, but it looked much smaller to me. But I found it interesting that the actual little house that our family lived in was under massive construction. None of the other homes, they all look great. Ours was under like massive, like from the ground up construction, which uh, I didn't want to take as a symbol or anything, but um, it was cool to look at. I, I sent my parents the pictures like out of nowhere and it kind of freaked them out. They couldn't believe I was there. So to me, like my memories of England um, are really, really positive, but I, you know, with anything that you're looking back on anything from ages like three, four, five, I'm always like, what is that? What part of that is real? And what am I making up in my head? But overall, like I, it was just awesome to go back and see it. And I realized how quiet of a, it's sort of a beautiful, quiet place Surrey was, at least the day that I was there. Murph and I live about half an hour's drive in a car from Weybridge. Okay. So we know it quite well and it is still pretty you know. quiet, really. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, I, the one thing that, the other, the one thing that happened to me that I thought was a little strange was that I went, I obviously I'm alone on this little tiny um, you know, housing court. I, it was called Fox Close. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously the tax ride there was silent, and I was taking photos of this my former house, this thing under construction, and like a mom from down the road was like, "Excuse me, sir, what do you think you're doing?" Like, I mean, uh, who is this weird guy uh, on on this you know court with all these children playing, taking photos? I looked like a potential criminal. So it's like this is a perfect return to where I grew up, where the woman wants to call the police on me, basically. So I got in the, I had explained to her what happened. I got in the, quickly got in the cab and went back to the train and back to London. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful place, Waverich. I, I know it reasonably well. I've got a friend whose um, father lives there. And so when uh, we have a rugby tournament over here in sort of the early part of the year, it's called the Six Nations, and it's basically the four British nations, England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. And then you've got... Uh, France and Italy play in it. It's a big sort of rugby deal. It's it's almost like as big as the World Cup, but it's annual. It happens every year. And uh, they're all big rugby fans. So actually, I go to Weybridge and watch some of those games with my friend and his parents and, and some friends there. So I know Weybridge reasonably well. So it's it's a lovely, lovely place. And as Chris said, it's actually not far from us. Uh, I sometimes, when I've uh, had a, a few in the pub, uh, take a cab back. Um, it's <laughs> it's only about 20 25 pounds it takes me about 20 25 minutes that time of night to to get home so and i know it well and uh it's also got a theme park just down the road um which is quite one of the big national attractions so it's a nice place and surrey's huge there's so many great places to visit so if you do make it back over here there's plenty of uh nice places you can visit up in the surrey hills and uh and all the like yeah i mean they don't normally when we visit there for work they don't give us much time off so i will just basically have to go totally AWOL, vanish from all work duties and check it out. I would love to go back. So, uh, Are you are you coming over again this year, Matt? Uh, we don't know. I, I think that there's, like, we hope so. We would love to. And anything they'd ask us to do, we would say yes. Um, but a lot of times those plans, like, you know, we're in the staging part of the off season where the, they'd still figure that out. But um, it was so much fun last time. And I know the whole crew would, in a minute, thumbs up. Yes, we'd love to return. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I was really gutted to miss you. I had uh, started a new job, and when you were over here, I was over in Copenhagen for a little over the week, uh, that same week. Um, so I was gutted I couldn't make the live shows and, 
uh, and some of the fan events you did because it, it, I was like, I heard you were coming and I heard the dates. I was like, no. <laughs> it's just timing these things happen. But uh, if you guys do make it over, I'm going to endeavor to, to make it. Unless, of course, you time it for August, which would be absolutely terrible for me considering I've got a little one on the way and probably won't be allowed to sneak out of the house at that point. I will pass those notes along to uh, the potential planners of this and see if we can shift it based on you know, the child, the work issues, and get it at a time that works for you. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. No problem. That would be awesome. How, so, Mark, how did you end up working for the NFL? Um, I, when I was younger, I mean, sort of started out, always had an interest in writing and journalism, and especially sports journalism, and was a huge football fan growing up. And so I think really from, you know, middle school, high school, on, uh, which is, you know, for us, the sort of grades nine through 12, I, I knew I wanted to do sports journalism or writing in general and uh, went to college for it for a bit. <clears throat> Long story short, really basically moved away from it and wound up moving from sort of city to city, lived in New York and Denver and Washington, D.C. And, and Arizona and L.A. and wound up coming to L.A. to do screenwriting instead. I was really at that point in my like around in my early thirties and just decided, you know, I, I don't really know what I want to do, but I knew I wanted to write. And so I thought screenwriting would be more, more the way to go. And, you know, that's, that is, a, that's a pretty rough road to take in general. And I went through some ups and downs with that, but in LA, um, it was funny. I had this little apartment and I used to go running in the morning and I noticed on my runs that like, NFL network was like not far from me, like half a mile. And I said, Whoa, the NFL is here. That's crazy. It kind of got me thinking again about like, as another plan, like all that, all those old like desires I had to be a journalist and to cover sports. And I I had a friend, you know, sometime later after a series of like awful jobs, corporate writing jobs that I was in and stuff who said, look, the NFL has this, uh, they're kind of growing the newsroom. They had this little three day, a week editor job where you can come in and basically pound out like copy for breaking news and edit other stories and whatever they want to put up on the website. You basically just kind of goes through you and a group of others. And I thought, well, I'd love to do it, but I just had a child and, you know, we were on the brink financially and it would be walking away from a full-time job to take this little three day a week, part-time job. And my wife was awesome about it. She basically said, let's just go for it. And so I took it and I knew it meant any moment I could be let go because it was a very, um, very much a, a temporary position. And then the NFL, this was in 2011 and the NFL uh, with lockout happened and all that business. And we thought we're absolutely, this is a terrible timing to, to keep this job. And luckily I think because we were being paid so little that, um, you know, Dan Hansis, the host of the around the NFL podcast on the show that we're on, he he came around the same time and he had moved from New York and we both thought we were doomed here with this lockout. But because we were getting paid so little, I think we kind of snuck through and it kind of just kept us around. We had a, we had a higher up editor that was really supportive of us named Justin Hathaway. And we got through the lockout and it kind of just built from there. And I found myself inside the NFL newsroom thinking, this is amazing to have gone through all these steps that wound up here. I love doing this. I love writing and editing. And our roles as writers started to grow. They, they launched the Around the NFL portion of NFL.com, which Dan and I um, started out at as writers for that. And then we started um, a mini podcast together. And then the 
when, when Greg Rosenthal and Chris Wessling uh, joined the NFL, they joined the podcast too. And it became really at that point became what it is today, the Around the NFL podcast. So it's all kind of mixed together in this, what is now almost a decade long story. And I just can't, I kind of can't look back and I can't really believe how it all happened because where I was a decade ago was like in a, in corporate America in one of the most uh, bizarre and distant from the NFL type jobs I could have imagined. So it was, I, I think I just got lucky and timing, uh, you know, taking a chance here and there and kind of dialing back to something that I'd always wanted to do from really little, but I'm really lucky that the people at the NFL, because when I hit the scene, I had no idea I completely kind of forgotten how to edit and write news at all. And it was an epic disaster. And their patience was part of all this, like to keep, you know, people that are learning around and in the newsroom back that time, back at that time versus just saying, you're out of here because you do not know what you're doing. So I, it's a mix of all those things put together, which is why my telling of it is so muddled because it was really, it was not a direct route with a lot of twists and turns. That's quite a story. <laughs> it's, quite, it's, it's inspiring as well that you can get a job where you you wish to go to and you dreamt about in the past and and you were lucky with your with your partner supporting you so much and and you chased it and got it so that's good for me it's good for Murph and it's good for the listeners as well because if you're starting out in anything it doesn't matter just dive full into it and give it your all and if you really want it you can achieve it which is good the taking a chance part of it was it was a, a, a one part of it but just also having you know I, for me, the whole thing was so much the timing and to, and to when that chance comes to just be like, I, you know what, this, I'm not sure this is the perfect situation, but this is the situation. And like, I think I'd, if I'd been in a different mood that month or two or things would be going differently, I might've made a different choice. So I almost just feel lucky that uh, I stuck with it. Um, like, thankfully, honestly, I would say it, it does help to have, if you're married or something like my wife, Simone, was so supportive. Like, had she been like, this does not work financially. You know, the Excel spreadsheet, this doesn't add up, blah, blah, blah. I mean, then you'd be like, of course, it's an irresponsible decision. But you, it, it's kind of like all these things need to work together. And almost you're like you, the person in it, I feel like had just you're playing a minor role. Almost you're just kind of getting carried along. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, do you think with you guys on the three, four of you, sorry, on the podcast now, do you think you've made lifelong friends by meeting them and creating the podcast together? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I see them all as friends and that we've had a lot of great times along the way. I think that we're, um, you know, it's not easy to get four people who are very, I would say very indiv- individualistic and, 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 you know, self-thinking and driven and had come from four to very different paths to start a project like this and have it go on as long as it has. And there've definitely been some, some ups and downs, but I would say that those, those ups and downs are the kinds of things that look ba- you look back and it would make you feel more about the people that you work with. And, and it's been mostly ups and great experiences and uh, it's fun to do the show. I, I think that even sometimes I find that I don't really know how to encapsulate it to know that I could be having, could be having like kind of a, a crazy day or, or a messed up week and, the, the minute that like that you sit down with those guys and the show music hits and we're looking at each other and it starts, you kind of just click into this different headspace where it's like, okay, now it's time to do this. And that's never, I think when that feeling goes away, like for any of us, you would know, okay, this isn't working, but it's, it, it, it has sort of that feeling every time we start a show that I'm happy to be here, you know, and let's, let's do the best we can. And I think that we, I've always cared about um, 
about the like making the football side of it informative and interesting and and new and different than um, other stuff the best we can. But also that if we weren't if there wasn't sort of a care between all of us if 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 we weren't close and we weren't there wasn't a friendship I don't think it would have gotten this far. So we 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 are friends and I think that we will stay friends. And probably you know I it's the kind of thing where you look. I don't know what it will be like to look back on it all like years and years from now, but I think it's kind of a very special, um, for me personally, a very special thing to have happened in the middle of a career with many different jobs. Definitely, absolutely a raging highlight. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say it massively comes through when you do the podcast and it, it shows, I think to, to everybody. I mean, we join a lot of uh, NFL UK threads, um, not just for promotion, but for discussion points, what, what keeping our ear to the ground and what fans are saying, we go to fan events and every time somebody new joins and they're like, I'm getting into NFL, I've watched a few games, really want to um, learn more and, and listen to more podcasts and they ask for recommendations, your podcast is recommended by absolutely everybody. You'll get a thread and there'll be, let's say 50 people, 48 of them will recommend the Around the NFL podcast because it is that that popular and the listenership here is it's huge. It's always uh, topping the charts in the sports segment and and that's because you guys are so real and, and honest and, it, you know, it, it kind of feels like we're in the room listening and I think that's what makes it so entertaining and why you've managed to sustain it for so long because I think you guys also recognize the people that listen and, and do everything to make it informative for them. So it's, it's, it's a massive... Uh, coup for, for you guys and, and a testament to the hard work you put in as well as also the camaraderie you have i think like one of the huge things that's come out of it that i find so awesome is you know you do something like that show and you think well it's probably going to be uh, mostly just a bunch of bros in america listening to this and uh you know we'll see if, if anyone has any sort of reaction to it but to look back and see sort of what the reaction especially from the uk but beyond that all of you know big chunks of Europe. And we have sort of a map where we've had listeners and there's some incredibly strange places where people have listened to, but that stronghold in the UK has been such an incredible part of this. And we never would have been able to obviously take that trip there last um, autumn. And it was a life, you know, we'll look back, you know, forever on that trip. It was definitely like this thing that we had wanted to do for so long, but it doesn't happen if there isn't like a group of listeners in the UK that, uh, connect with the show. So I don't know, you don't know how, why these things happen or how, and um, half the time I find that when we're in the middle of a conversation on the show, I completely forget that anyone will listen to it at all. You're just in the middle of this debate and you're feeling crazy. You want to get your point across or you want to, or someone says something funny, but you, you don't even think about the fact that, wait, there's someone that might listen to this, uh, which is probably a good thing. I mean, I think that would just take you out of your, your headspace to begin with, but it's easy for us to get lost in what we're talking about in a good way. Um, That I think has always been the case from the beginning that it's like the four of us, when we talk, someone will say something that will just stir the pot and there's no, it's not, the show is not overly structured um, on the podcast front in the sense where if we go off on a tangent that it's like, we don't have someone in their ear saying, you know, get back, get back on track. So what I like about it is that if it takes a weird twist or turn, um, there's freedom to go with it. I think that's, you know, I've heard from, from some of the listeners, oh, what we like when you guys just start talking about random stuff. It's like, well, that's, 
that that's why it works for me because there's no one kind of saying, no, this is, you know, structure to get back on track. We're allowed to roam. And that's why it stays fun. Yeah. Murph and I have had a couple of episodes where we've just completely gone off topic. We had a guest on with a, a general show doc, and I think we covered the introduction and maybe three first lines. And then after that, it was just right. a free for all. It, <laughs> it was good. Mark, you mentioned earlier that you were a football fan, obviously working for the NFL. I imagine that severely helps, but you didn't mention who your team was. Who do you support and why? Um, I have been a Browns fan dating back to mid autumn, 1986. And, you know, I think that's obviously anyone who covers or watches football knows that has been a pretty uh, rough ride. It looks like it's turning around a little bit now, but, um, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where I know some, some friends of mine that grew up a certain, a fan of a certain team, and then they moved with their families to a new city and just adopted the new city's team. I totally get that. Um, for me, the Browns thing became so sort of out of body because it was so um, up and down and so painful that I was like, I cannot, I'm, it's sort of cemented into my sports fandom. I really don't even have any other team in any other sport that I follow. It is simply focused at this point on the Browns, which has been a terrible decision because it would have been smart to pick up, you know, the New York Yankees at some point or, you know, the Golden State Warriors and just kind of enjoy something to do with sports. But instead it's been, um, nothing short of a horror show uh until very recent days yeah you you actually wrote an article that even if you're not a browns fan it's incredibly inspirational um it just i think is like an ode to fandom about supporting your team and going through it which um i think it's still pinned to your your twitter line um pinned to your twitter timeline isn't it uh hopefully devoted and i actually reread it again knowing that we were doing this and it's just an incredible piece of writing. It really sort of takes me back as I'm, as I'm reading your stories about my fandom as a child in, in various sports and how I got into things and teased for supporting not always the best team or the most boring team or whatever it might be and how everyone was supporting the big names. And it's just, I think everybody who reads it, who has a real passion, even if it's not sport, although if, you, if it's not sport, you're probably not listening to this, um, but can just really relate and transpire to their journey, to supporting their teams or their interests or hobbies. I think it's, it's well worth a read and I'll tweet it out uh, for everybody to, to read because it's, if anyone's missed it it's, it's, it's a brilliant piece of writing. Yeah. Thanks. It was fun to write. Um, and like, it's sort of stuff that is in your head and mind forever, dating back to when you're really young. And I, I kind of just started to realize that like when you talk with other fans about, Oh, you know, this is something that I, this is how I used to listen to football games when I was in middle school. And it was so much harder without the internet. And they're like, Oh, I did the same thing. And you're like, wait, there is this connective tissue between not, yes, I'm a Browns fan and they had their ups and downs, but anyone who grew up loving the team and having to go through the ups and downs and sticking with it, we're all in the same boat. We all have had those similar feeling so that is sort of what all I did was like here's kind of my diary of the nonsense that one goes through like why are we even rooting for sports teams why are we going through these um, days where we're shipwrecked because they lost to another team and we have no control over it like there's a lot of reasons why like a smart person would just not even get involved but not it's not the case here like like the passion takes over when you're young and you just don't let go so I just try to write about all that nonsense and weave in the other stuff that's happening in, in, in life during those times. And uh, 
I kind of was thankful that they let me publish it because it was oh, way too long. It, they basically just said, all right, whatever, click. We'll, we'll let it go. <laughs> so thankfully, they, they said okay to it. Good. It would have been a shame if any of it was cut. It, um, it, again, I think it's just amazing. You look at the different times and changes, but underneath all of that, the the same raw emotions and everything remain the same, whether you're following content on the internet or listening to podcasts, which weren't possible 20, 30 years ago you still have those same feelings of butterflies of, of just looking around and feeling, you know, dejected when you lose and elated when you win. And you're like, it's just crazy. My my wife does not understand it. I go and watch a lot of live sporting events and very passionate about them. And my wife always has to go and look at the result to know what kind of husband is going to walk through the door when I get back, whether it's a really happy one that's going to, you know, be full of joy (laughs) or a really miserable one that's, that's pretty much going to sulk for a, a few hours. So she, she's kind of become a fan as a result of uh, just not wanting to see me upset. Cause I, I do, I get, you know, I get so emotionally invested in, you can't help it sometimes. Sometimes I can blow it off. I mean, the good thing about being a, an NFL fan is, and being a Buccaneers fan is you're pretty much expected. And you, I think can relate to this as much as anybody that uh, we're not expected to be that great. There's always that hope and the, dreams that you'll be good and you just you know when you're not in the playoffs for a long time it just if you don't make the playoffs it's just another year just go for the ride see what happens yeah I think like when you're when you're rooting for a bad team it can almost feel like there's two NFLs there's the one that you're in and then there's when you're watching a team like the Patriots or yeah just look at the like you know and, and obviously in our pod Greg is a Patriots fan and takes an inordinate amount of heat for that uh, because he doesn't he's Patriots fans notoriously in New England can be less than pleasant. And he has never really been the, the unpleasant faction of Patriots fan base, quite the opposite. But just because he's in the room, I think he takes a lot of shrapnel because his team is good and you've got a Browns fan in there and you've got a Jets fan in there. And look, those are two teams where you feel like you've been on the outside forever. So it's like when you're rooting for these eternally crappy franchises, <clears throat> you start to hit the point where you're like, will they win? while I'm still alive. Like when I was 15, I wasn't answering that, asking that question. Of course, of course they're going to, because everything's going to happen in my lifetime. But it's like, well, now I'm starting to ask the questions about, hmm, I'm just not sure that's the case. And we're running out of time here. Let's go, Cleveland Browns franchise. Let's get it together. I love it. Uh, I think this year could be good, but I, I want to save that and come back to it in just a moment. Um, so we are a fantasy football podcast. Um, I just want to know, really, did you play fantasy football in in 2018 or have you not played for a while what, what's the what's the story there um i've not i've not played i did not play last year and you know i used to play a lot and i think what happened was that for me there was just uh so much football in my life that fantasy felt like the thing i could slip out of um without anyone caring or knowing that i did so um and i think it's cool like i think it's an awesome thing for football and i i honestly think that the rise of of football in the UK has so much to do with fantasy and, and everywhere. And like, it's so it's a huge grower of the sport, all good. But personally, like um, the last time I played, my wife was on a fantasy football team with a bunch of um, sort of, I would call them like semi goons from her office and various other offices at her job. And they, she had just had a child and they were, um, razzing her because in the year before like during when she was still you know we, we had a newborn she had just sort of been just forgotten the team the, her fantasy football team and it had been roundly destroyed 
And so they came into this new season and she was really the only girl, I think, out of like 10 to 12 other people. And they, in this, she basically was like, I don't have time to do this. Like, should I drop out? I said, no, let me play for you in secret. And these guys were good guys, I guess, but they were really, they online, they were, they were grade A annoyances. And they were like, we were doing this live draft and they were making fun of her like during the process. And I was watching this. They didn't realize that she wasn't there, that I was in her place. And this was also at a time when you're doing a ton of homework at NFL.com for our shows and stuff. And so, you know, I'm sitting next to Chris Wesley all the time. He knows every like new prospect that's coming up. And so I littered my roster with all these guys that were just about to blow up her roster, not mine. And they're like, they were looking at these guys like, who is this player? Who is that? Like you, this, Simone is completely hi, what is she, what is she thinking? And this roster, I, like, this is the only time I would ever brag about fantasy football, went out and devastated the countryside and ripped them up from week one through the end and rode all the way to the, the title. And I thought it can never get better than that because all of them suddenly thought that she was some sort of football seer. And they were basically like the, the making fun of her and the jokes went quiet very quickly that year. And I thought, I'm never playing fantasy again because it's the best possible way to go out. <laughs> Retire with the belt. That's it. See you later. I'm done. That's Mic right. drop. Against this bunch of jerks. So it was like, it, it was like, I love the narrative of that and I'm done with it. And that was probably around 2012 or 13 or so. I love that. Uh, do you know what? I don't even blame you because I think in that situation, it's, it's nice when people get their comeuppance and uh, uh, get what they deserve. So I don't blame you. Um, you did uh, do a fantasy extravaganza with uh, Marcus Grant, who was uh, on our podcast previously uh, for the Fantasy Live podcast. And uh, you had an interesting sleeper pick in uh, Courtney Hazel, who's a receptionist for the Houston Texans. So any uh, update if you think she's going to end up on any board somewhere or what she's up to? I mean, she, <clears throat> let's start here. She did a great job last year. And that's, you know, the Texans, they went to the playoffs. She had a lot to do with that behind the scenes. Um, unseen work, stuff that people don't notice. Courtney Hazel, like, it's, this wasn't her first job. She had worked at a series of very pressure-packed um, corporate settings where as a receptionist and much more than an office organizer and really someone that people rallied around, she's always had those qualities. So I see her again as, I don't think she's as much of a secret to anyone that listened to that episode um, so long ago. But for anyone who didn't hear about that that individual, Courtney Hazel, you've got to jump on that situation this year. You've got to pick up uh, Courtney Hazel in all, in all formats and don't look back. And, and if you're if you're hesitant, then stash her for another season because she's going to just come back and do it again. Love that. <laughs> I think definitely going to be the MVP if uh, the Texans go the whole way. Absolutely, and that and it's like I she doesn't need the attention, but she's gonna she's gonna somehow get it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, mentions on uh, international podcasts such as uh, Fantasy Life will get her the uh, notoriety that, that she might not like. <laughs> um okay looking ahead to the 2019 season then is this the first year that you're going to be coming into the season with some optimism uh in quite a while or do you believe the the browns are in danger of being overhyped at this stage um i think both because well i have had optimism in the past but if i really were to sit myself down you know the me that was super excited about like the brandon whedon led browns would would have known in like my heart of hearts that there are some serious issues uh, with the team, 
But there was always the idea of, oh, they're growing into something. So this is the beginning. I don't need them to be perfect. But I kind of wanted them to always have the season they had last year where you come out of it thinking, okay, there, we have a plan in place. We don't need to blow the whole thing up from scratch. So there, this time around, I'd say there's more genuine hope where I don't need to be um, running the show on the Hope Express and telling everyone else why it's so hopeful because suddenly you're surrounded by everyone else telling you how hopeful it is, which is as you would feel suddenly if your team got good, if it's sucked royally for three decades, it's a really weird experience. Um, it's the kind of thing where I think I almost feel like others are more excited than I am because for me, I'm still in the world where nothing has gone right with this team. So I don't believe that any uh, switch has been flipped where suddenly they're a Super Bowl team. I want to see it uh, at all. I want to see them each, even beat the Steelers. You know what I mean? So I am optimistic, but I do think expectations in sports in general, especially in the NFL, when there's anointing teams in April and May. Um, and I believe that everyone inside the Browns organization must be, you know, trumpeting this too. Forget, finally, it's forget the outside. Everyone on the outside used to say, we are, we are trash. We're not. Now it's, you're going to the Super Bowl. Or you're going to win the AFC North, hands down. Like, don't listen to that either. I, I think it, for them, the test is you've never really been, that locker room, has never gone through this and that coach has never gone through this. That's the obvious overt challenge is a being good and b dealing with and ignoring outside expectations. It's a very weird mix. Um, but I, I am optimistic, but for me, I feel strangely detached in the sense that like, I need to see it before I think it truly clicks in because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, the negative shoe that like stamps out something potentially like me or other Browns fans. So, yes. I think that's fair. Um, it's just it's just such a meteoric rise. This this time last year, we are talking about a team coming off an 0-16 season and 1-31 with a coach that wasn't popular, wasn't really well supported or liked with the number one pick coming off the draft. You drafted Baker Mayfield. Some people saw it coming. Some people saw it as a complete surprise. And now, fast forward 12 months, we're looking at a team that is, you know, being tipped to win the AFC North to to make a playoff run and potentially even a Super Bowl run. Like think, things rise quickly, but that, I mean, like, that's scary fast. From there's last to worst, and then there's last to phenomenal. So, I guess I'm with you. I, I kind of I, I have a bit of a soft spot for the Browns. So some of my friends are, are Browns fans, and I think it's it, it's great to be excited and optimistic and to think about. You know, seeing some great football and seeing some great results and wins. Um, but the danger is you've got a first-time coach with, a, like you say, a locker room that isn't really, you know, used to this environment and dealing with it. So maybe temper your expectations just so slightly and, and aim to be pleasantly surprised as opposed to be majorly disappointed because the Browns are on an upward curve and just enjoy it. Don't don't fast forward all the good bits of, of the rise. You don't want to kind of just get there so quickly that it, in a blink of an eye, you get there, it's gone, and then you're back to being where you were. Yeah, I think like the this time it feels a little different because although it crosses multiple regimes, like the Sashi Brown paradigm and the plan, which I think is now being looked at um, along with by the Miami Dolphins who have looked at some stuff that's happened in Major League Baseball as well to rebuild their roster. And I think it's a new, it's sort of a new era for football in terms of like dealing with team building in, in ways that, that other sports do. 
the Browns had a plan there and they gave obviously John Dorsey a lot to work with when he hit the scene as GM. And I think that he's countered by doing well with those assets because the Browns for years, like one of their biggest issues was first, second, third round picks whiffing on them over and over and whiffing on quarterbacks. And so getting the Baker Mayfield pick right, and that's assuming that he continues on his trajectory, quarterbacks change. But I think with him, there's some stuff you see that you that looks unchangeable. Um, that's my hope. But when you hit the quarterback, number one, I, for me, I've always felt like it's just sort of you start adding pieces around. And they already had some good stuff going on on defense and some young players in general. And I think that it's just the perfect marriage of what Sashi did, which not be forgotten, and what John Dorsey's done with it. Uh, and, and frankly, ownership sort of getting out of the way uh, this time around and saying, let the football people do it. And we'll just pay the money and we'll take whatever, we'll do whatever it takes to, to get Odell Beckham, get the rest of them. And now it's up to a locker room that finally has some veterans in it too, to keep the head on straight of a, a, a team that was really, really young for a long time too. So yeah, there's hope. And at the same time, there's actually a plan that's showing some results. That's why I think the optimism is well-placed. Uh, in terms of even you're feeling a competitive, interesting team versus in the in the past it was it was the stuff of total fantasy for most Browns fans to think we're going to be eight and eight or ten and six total fantasy for most most of those years. Yeah, I completely understand. It's it makes sense. It's it's going to be. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are, are one of those teams to watch, if for nothing else, just out of sheer fascination of of what happens. Yes, absolutely. I think it'll be interesting. Um, but there's a lot of new teams that are. So I feel like the same way about the Jets that are that are coming up. I think the Ra- I cannot stand the Ravens as a fan, but I find them intriguing too. I think that whole division is going to be wild once again. So I, what I like in general is that you're starting to see a league where almost every team has a functional quarterback, which I I can't think of any really other time in my life where that's been the case, where there weren't six or seven teams with total trash bag scenarios under center and you knew they were doomed. Like right now it's probably at the high point that I can think of in terms of 32 teams, most every one of them having some hope at quarterback. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, mean, we've just seen it in the, in the draft. Um, You you didn't see anybody trade up into the top 10 or top 15 to, to get their quarterback. They went at the positions they went and then, I think, you know, the only trade-up I can recall, at least in, in day one and day two, was when the Broncos traded up to 42 to get to get Drew Locke. So hardly a, a real, like, massive trade-up to, to get a guy at 42. So um, right. I think that shows that most people are pretty happy with what they've got or they're not happy with what was available this year and decided to pass and wait on next year. But it didn't see people reaching, like, the desperation times of old where people go, we have to get a quarterback that's just chuck the future away and just get what we can get and and trade up and give away three first round picks or two first round picks. And let's just make this happen. Yes. It's a, it's a new league in that sense. And I think it makes, you know, you look at the, when it comes up the NFL schedule, a lot of times some of these games that look good in week 13 become absolute nightmares because of the quarterback situation. And maybe hopefully there'll be less of those. And that makes for better primetime games and a much better league. And the NFL is, you know, going to be a, it, the sport is maximized when you don't have terrible situations at quarterback. That just takes teams and destroys them and takes them out of the mix. And they kind of want what they want last year. Where Last year was a year where you had 
the vast majority of teams still competitive heading into December. And I think that will happen again. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment. I think, and I think that's what we all hope for as fans, even not fans who don't expect playoff berths. It's good to see a competitive league. In terms of you guys backing, going back to the podcast and the for you, are there any exciting projects you and and the other heroes are going to be working on uh, this off season that perhaps you can let us into, or is it all hush hush uh, top secret still? It's not hush hush, but I wish I had a better answer for you personally. For me, like I really try to take a little bit of time. Um, you know, just it, there is a wear and tear where you're not spending a lot of time with your family during the year because there's a lot of extracurricular stuff that goes on. So I don't have any um, big projects right now, but it is also a time of year where the writer side of what we do, you start to think about um, like longer, long form type articles and, and, and things that might interest you. And it's a good time to do research on that. So uh, I think like in the next couple of weeks, like that would be something that that I would do is like, what are, what are like two or three longer um, research based articles you'd want to put out during the year. And, uh, but that doesn't sound super, super exciting to you. I would imagine. Um, and the rest of it, it's kind of like there's, we're still doing shows three times a week and we're still, there's still a lot happening. We're only a week out of the draft. So only now does it become a little bit quieter, uh, it, you know, delving into, into June when it really gets silent for about a month. Yeah, it's a good time to recharge the batteries. And um, I I don't think long form articles are boring. I I really enjoy them. I think it's a good time to take stock and reflect on what's happened and and look towards what could happen and what the trends might be. And I think that's what differentiates you guys and NFL content from other providers, Um, not naming or shaming ESPN or anyone like that. You know, they do amazing, fantastic work. But I think I think what separates is the, the NFL and the content it puts out is it's always thought provoking. It always makes you think and analyze things and, and think of things differently, which is what I always enjoy. So I think, yeah, I think long form articles are a great way of doing that. And those research pieces. So I'm looking forward to them personally. I can't speak for everybody, but in, in terms of this season coming up, is there, I mean, what is the one thing that you're most looking forward to? And I appreciate it's difficult given the fact that it's been a long off season. The NFL hasn't really stopped, but as you're getting towards that time now where it winds down, is there anything in particular that you're really looking forward to this season that perhaps you, you haven't looked forward to in previous years or, or anything like that? I think for me, I would have almost had the same answer a year ago in the sense of there are two things that I, I think I, for me, the beginning of the year, watching new quarterbacks is always um, exciting to me because you're getting to know people that are going to be in your life for, if they're good, you know, eight to 10 to 20 years. Um, so that, that introduction to them is always, I think, galvanizing and kind of, kind of makes me run to rewatch those games or see those games for the first time where like a young Patrick Mahomes is starting, uh, you know, Baker and Sam Darnold. But the second part of it is teams that now have that quarterback hope. Like I, I'm, what I really wanted last year and what we saw a little bit of, but what I think we're getting closer to is a true changing of the guard in the AFC, um, the NFC too. But, you know, teams like the, people can laugh at the bills, but I really think that they're building something. And I, I'd agree with the same thing with the jets. And so that changes a division that's been handed over to everyone. I think the dolphins after next year's draft are going to look very different. And like the Patriots are getting older and yet I don't for a minute doubt them, but just the concept of changing power structure where, you know, you get, you, I, I got at one point a little exhausted with like Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady, where it's like Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady addition 
number 17. And here's the last 16 times they played in the big games. It's like, that's all great. And like when, when you're, when you're kind of hit pause and you look back on that, it's like, that is really special rivalry. And it's cool that we got to see these players, but I'm always ready for the new and like the, like the new rivalries and the new, uh, I want to look at the standings for this year and see, whoa, they look completely different from what I've been so contextualized and um, conditioned to watch and see where it's the same teams atop each of these divisions. So for me, it's change and it, you know, you get it a little bit, you're not going to get all the change you want. And when it comes to Cleveland, I'm excited, but I, I, I really, like I said before, my, I'm in check on that until real games happen. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I like your, your thoughts on that with, with changing teams. It's, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to support a team in the NFC South, which has always got exciting quarterbacks and exciting play, but it does tend to mean that we finish last every year or most years. So <laughs> that's the downside. But in at least... I think with the NFC, there's always it's always been pretty consistent. There's been that changing of the guard every couple of years. There's always a few teams that are in the mix, and it's just about getting it right. And it seems to be such a competitive uh, conference, whether it's with the AFC. You've never really said that over the last 10 years. It's been the Patriots, or there's been a small rise of, of Denver, or the threat of the Colts and the threat of the Steelers, but they never quite get there. And then last season, you had Kansas City. But now or at least in the next couple of years when you would assume that the Patriots, although we've been waiting for it for a long time to decline just a tad, uh, you have so many teams now that could dethrone them with the Colts, uh, the Chiefs, the Browns coming up. As you mentioned, that division with the Jets and the Bills uh, are building something. Uh, You've got the Texans who are always exciting. I mean, it now seems like the AFC has that time now to really become a competitive conference because I feel over the last few years with the exception of the surprise of Jacksonville and you know maybe one or two other sort of offshoots they've been the anomalies and not the not the norm so it'd be really good to see in the AFC a more competitive conference yeah and I and I I could dial it back to where I think I said exactly what you just said a year ago and we're months away from the Patriots winning the Super Bowl over the Rams with a 40-something-year-old Tom Brady. So I honestly don't doubt that they could go right back and do it again. I, I will not doubt them until Belichick and Brady are not employed by that organization, um, at least together. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but I, t- I agree. The hope is there. Yeah, and, and, and even if it's not this year, I think the real sense that the tide is turning, and it might take a year, it might take two years, it might even take three but I do believe that within the next two to three years, it really will become a competitive conference. And I think it will open up in a lot of ways. And I think the AFC conference, it will be incredibly fascinating and become more like the NFC where predicting the winner, I think will become a bit more difficult and it will be a, a sort of charge to the summit as opposed to a coronation. Oh, totally agree. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, Mark, you recently did the uh, Mark Sisler 1.0 mock draft on your podcast. Um, it went surprisingly well, you said. Uh, how did you find doing that mock draft? Was it was it intense? I mean, I don't think it, I don't actually think it went that well, but um, it was not intense because sort of the whole idea behind it was that people spend um, months and months and months studying players and uh, assessing them and grading them and looking at team needs and matching up the perfect player with team and using information they have from sources. And my, my side of it was kind of just like, cause we don't really, 
or I shouldn't say we don't really, we don't really study the college, college players. We, we kind of adopt them when they hit the 32 teams. And so, you know, I put essentially about three and a half hours of work into it, um, kind of as an idea, like, let's just see how it does against all the others. And it did, I thought it, it frankly uh, fared rather poorly compared to, or, you know, compared to people that put a lot of work in. You look at the, the list of the people that kind of nailed it. It's, it, there is a, there is some science behind. I think if you have information from teams and you can kind of narrow down what they're looking for and players they really like. I had none of that science backing mine, so it was a bit of a disaster. But I thought it was fun to do, and I honestly, if I would do it again next year, I wonder if I would start to put in more work um, earlier on. But part of it was to come from left field versus doing something that ultimately you see a lot of like, oh, well, there's, it's logical to put this guy here or there. And I wanted to throw some trades in there and some other stuff. Uh, it was more for fun. Um, intense, no. I don't know if I'm longing to do it again uh, at the moment. We'll see. Maybe by next uh, April, we'll do it again, part two. It has to be done. It was such a good episode. <laughs> well, we, I've heard varying accounts. But, I mean, it, we, like, for us, it's like, well, we, it's the perfect time of year just to take take some time and do something completely different with an episode. And it, it definitely was, um, it came, you know, we had never done that before and it we'll see. I think it was a solid B minus as Dan would say. <laughs> I think, I think that's something a bit short. And I think the reason I think Chris and I find it entertaining. And I think a lot of people that we talked to over here found that episode particularly entertaining is you, you have very much a British sense of humor. And uh, I think it's something that we really appreciate and love. And I think that's why you're, you're very popular over here other than the great content you put together because of the fact that you do have that quite wry, dry sense of humor that us Brits just have in spades and, and, and love and relate to very quickly. So I think when you lived here, you picked up that side of things a little bit. I must have, it must be why I, you know, I've got to get back there for this bank holiday scenario because it just sounds like you guys have something better going on over there. Like I would get along with you better than I get along with Americans. Um, you've got extra days off from work. So sign me up. <laughs> yeah. The weather's, the weather's not quite as good as uh, Los Angeles though. That's the only trouble. Can't win them all. <laughs> and there's the whole Brexit thing, which you don't want part of. Well, we've got issues of our own. So, you know, <laughs> trading A for B. True. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't know which side I want now. That's a good point. So if you were able to select one person to interview in the 2019 season for like a one-on-one sit-down, who would it be? Well, from a from a fanboy angle, I, I would love to sit down with Baker Mayfield because I've, a couple things. Like, the, you know, the Belichicks and the Bradys and those guys, like they've been around forever and people have tried for decades to get anything out of Tom Brady or anything out of, uh, you know, Belichick, if you ask him about special teams on a Friday, yes, you'll get something nice. But I like the idea that Baker Mayfield, to me, is still very new and in this experience and in such a unique um, situation in Cleveland. And just the fact that I would kind of come from an angle where knowing all the horror that came before him and how different his situation is, I would love to come up with the part of when you think about interviewing someone, it's like, what questions can I come up with? Like, yes, they would not be hard to come up with questions and conversation points. So that would be my answer right now. And he'd, uh, he'd be one and there would not be someone real close to him at the moment. That's cool. I think he personifies coolness to me. I think he exudes coolness. And I think it would be a sort of, it'd be more of a, a friendly chit chat than a, a straight up interview as well. So I think that's a pretty decent choice. 
I agree with you. And I, I love the fact that every single day he's in the NFL, he proves uh, Colin Goward wrong for his, I think, personal shaming attacks on, on Baker. I thought what he was saying before he was drafted and after he was drafted was borderline unacceptable. And I appreciate media, free speech and all of that, but felt it was really un, unfair and, and didn't give a reflection. I love the fact that every single day Baker goes out there and just is him and, and is a leader and he is exactly what you want in your franchise player and is a credit to the league. Yeah, I mean, I think he, we, we know from Baker Mayfield that he thrives off of anyone, uh, you know, thumbing their nose at him or doubting him. Not an unnatural thing for athletes, especially in the NFL, but he kind of really puts it on his shoulders. And if anything, I think the, the coward stuff um, propelled him. I mean, it really was something that he like made, he turned into a positive. And I, and that's, that to me is, I, I don't know, like the way Baker Mayfield even went on his show and went one-on-one and responded versus sort of dodging and running away uh, from it. The opposite is what he did. And I kind of think right away, you realize this is a quarterback mentality. And I don't know what's not to like. I agree that he exudes cool. He does all those things that you'd want. And it's, um, it's kind of surreal as a Browns fan, because, you know, we are the ones who remember with the Brandon Weed in his first game ever getting swallowed up by a field-sized American flag uh, before kickoff. It was like, that was our quarterback. That's like the opposite of exuding cool. Like, could you, could you possibly be anything other than a national laughingstock quarterback position of the Browns? And it's like, suddenly you have this guy. So I'll take it, and I'll take it for the next uh, 15 years, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Right, Mark, I know this is, uh, this is a little off the cuff now, but you mentioned Courtney earlier who – you predicted to have a, a pretty good season over at the Texans. Do you have a sneaky final hot take fantasy-wise for our listeners? Um, I don't have anything out of sort of the corporate realm as much. Uh, there is a craft services personnel uh, inside of the Tennessee Titans. And I know the Titans have been a, a relatively dull team, but a craft services uh, individual named Eric DeLone, who um, has been shining, and you got to think about it, his, he, he is providing the Titans uh, players with high-level nutrition, and he's really stepped in there with some new menu items that I think it's going to be a different type of offseason in Detroit because of that. And not only that, once the games start, these guys are going to uh, you know, reap the benefits of these new menu items. So big job by him in the craft services department of the Titans. <laughs> I love that. Is there, is there any way that he could be roped into potentially Operation Pink Pony? Always, always. That's what you've got to be on the lookout for, especially when that team has a Belichick disciple as its head coach and a former Patriots uh, personnel man as their GM. I think they are prime targets to, you know, in theory, rise up to a playoff spot and they get bumped by the Patriots, which is exactly what happened two years ago. There are a lot of, uh, you know, Pink Pony is out there. People people know about it. So the New England's going to have to also not just go down normal channels, but use new ways to get their message and their uh, their force across and no doubt they will <laughs> no doubt no doubt right mark this has been an absolute blast would you like to let rush nation know where they can find you where your articles are on twitter and so forth uh yeah i'm on twitter at uh, mark sessler nfl mark with a c m-a-r-c s-e-s-s-l-e-r nfl and that's about the place you would find me uh, we do our our podcast around the nfl uh, Twitter show or at the Around the NFL uh, podcast is 
three times a week during the during the off season and regular season outside of June. And we have our Sunday night show after every week's action. And we also hope to, as I mentioned, come back with the Twitter show next year, which is on at very odd times in the UK. Um, but more to come on that. We will we will see if that returns next season. But we'll always be around doing this, and it's uh, not too hard to find us. <laughs> love that, and love the uh, love the pocket squares when they finally got dropped as well. I think Dan did a great job with that. The rest of us have. Um, either by fate or decision, not really match them on that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into some pocket squares because I don't want him to be alone on that mission. I know he's looking for people to, to join him. <laughs> Definitely. I think, uh, I think rock them all out next year. Excellent. For sure. Right, Mark, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Murph, I will speak to you at some point in the week with our second and third episodes. Yep, that's right. We've got three coming this week, Rush Nation. But until you hear from us again, don't forget to keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.